Good morning again, and happy Sabbath. Uh, Today we have a special day. Not only today is a special day, not only because it's the Sabbath, because this is the day that the Lord has set aside and He has made for us. So let us be glad and rejoice in it. But also because today we'll together uh, participate in the communion service, a service that the Lord Himself instituted when he was here among his disciples. And it is our privilege as Christians to continue to follow this, which the Lord has initiated just around 2,000 years ago. And before we, we start to uh, our journey here into meditating upon God's word and, and seeing what the Lord has for us today, I'd like to ask you to join me, to bow your heads and join me in prayer. It's never too much to pray, and we are going to ask the Lord to guide us as we open up scripture. Father, we thank you once again because you have provided us with this precious opportunity to be here in your house and to be in your presence. And we thank you, Lord, that in this country we still have freedom to be able to worship you, to fellowship with one another, and to study your word. And I ask you, Lord, that at this moment we may leave aside any distraction anything that may be concerning us, anything, Lord, that we may be worried about, may be set aside, that we may be able to focus on your word. I ask, Father, that your angels will be surrounding us. I ask you, Lord, for the children who are here with us, that the children will be able to to also focus and listen in something they will get. And we ask, Lord, that your holy angels will give us all a time that will be blessed here together. Help us, Lord, in our limitations, and please use me as your instrument. Hide me behind the cross of Christ. May Jesus be lifted up in everything that we say and do. I ask you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Jesus was with his disciples, and the time was coming closer when he was going to give his life as a sacrifice on the cross. Jesus knew that. He had told about that to his disciples. I am not sure how fully the disciples had understood the whole dynamics of it all. But the truth is that Jesus was grieved, not only because he was going to suffer, not only because he was going to to leave his companions Not only because of all of that, he was also uh, grieved because he looked around and he saw that many people were not yet understanding what his mission was and what the message of the kingdom was. And Jesus is taking, is commemorating the Passover with his disciples. And on that date, on that evening, two memorials were being uh, commemorated. One of them was the Passover itself. The Passover was instituted by God. We understand that Jesus himself was the one who was interacting with Moses and with the people of Israel. So Jesus himself instituted the Passover centuries before. And he gave detailed instructions as to how the the Jews should observe it. It was the time when they were going to be delivered from bondage in Egypt. It was the time when God slew the firstborn sons of Egypt, but the children of Israel were spared. 
the children of Israel were to eat the Passover in readiness. They were to eat the Passover meal ready to go. Because at any time, the command would come for them to leave Egypt. They were supposed to eat in a state of urgency. Because they were going to go out in their journey outside of Egypt. And any time soon that would happen. They were, going, they were about to go out on a journey into the wilderness. A journey that would take them through many trials. And I would say that in a sense, uh, that should remember, we should remember that just like the children of Israel, we also live in a state, in an environment, in an environment that is not our final destination. It's not our final home. Some days it will look like you are in Egypt. In the midst of all the the rebellion, in the midst of all the idolatry, you may feel like you are living in Egypt as you look around. Some days it may look like you are living in the wilderness. You are going through all the trials that you could ever imagine. Or that you might never want for yourself. But in either case, in either case, I think the message is that we must be ready. We need to be ready as the people of Israel were. What does it mean? What does it mean though to be ready? That's the question. When you prepare for a trip, for a journey, you prepare for it. You pack up and you, you pack and you, you get ready to go. But in the spiritual sense, what exactly does it mean to be ready? To be in a state of readiness. Well, first of all, first of all, you must be willing. That's a lesson we need to keep in mind. We must be willing. If some among the people of Israel were not willing to leave Egypt, they would have stayed behind. In spite of all the deliverance that the Lord was, were providing, was providing. And so, first of all, we need to be willing. That's the first step in, in, in being ready. Also, we need to be prepared. The Lord gave to the people of Israel detailed instructions as to how they should eat the Passover meal and how they should prepare to leave Egypt. So turn your Bibles with me to Exodus chapter 12. Exodus 12. And then in verse 11, the Lord tells them how they should eat. What should be their stance as they were eating the Passover meal. Exodus 12 verse 11 says, and thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hands. So you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. This is how they should eat. They should be ready to go. They should be prepared. They should get uh, all the protection they should get, they could get to be ready for the journey. Now, if you compare that with the instruction that the Lord through his spokesperson through his prophet Paul gave us in Ephesians chapter 6 and going down to verses 10 to 11 Ephesians 6 10 to 11 and I'll lay to till you get there or till the text appears on the screen Ephesians 6 verses 10 through to 11 uh, to through 18 rather 10 through to 18 the Bible says finally my brethren Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God, 
that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplications in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. You may have noticed that the language reminds us of the language we read in Exodus 12, 11. You should be dressed properly. You should be ready to go. Spiritually, you should have all the tools and all the armor that the Lord provides us with so we may be ready. So you must be willing and you must be prepared. Now, the Lord instituted another memorial when he was with the disciples commemorating the Passover. And this new memorial, what we might even say it is the new Passover, was called the Lord's Supper. Or today we also mention that we also call it as the communion service. And the Lord also gave detailed instructions to the disciples and by extension to all of us as to how we should commemorate the Lord's Supper. Jesus gave to the Passover new meaning. He instituted actually something new, something that would apply not only to the Jews, but something that would apply to every adopted child of God. This was a new memorial that applies to every believer that comes into the family of God, regardless of national boundaries, regardless of country of origin, regardless of cultural background. It is a new memorial that commemorates the Lord's death, the Lord's resurrection, the offer of everlasting life, and the deliverance, now not from uh, national Egypt, but the deliverance from the bondage of sin for anyone who believes. And this new memorial that the Lord instituted, He said, this do in remembrance of me. But it's not only a memorial for remembrance. It is also something that points out to the future and should fill our hearts with hope. It is a memorial of the death of the Lord because he said, As often as you eat of it, you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you do show the Lord's death. The Bible says that he died for our sins. The Bible says that he died for the ungodly, as the Bible says. And the Bible also says that he died for us all. But the Lord's Supper also should fill our hearts with hope. Because we are encouraged to look forward and hope. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six that when you do this, you show the Lord's death till he comes. And so we are not only commemorating the Lord's death, but we are doing that till he comes. Therefore, 
It points toward the future as we look forward to the coming of Jesus. When Jesus comes, and this is the greatest hope we have, and this is found in Titus chapter 2, verse 13, the Bible says, Looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great Lord, great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so this is the blessed hope of the Christian. This is what we look forward to. There are two great events that mark the second coming of Jesus. Two great events. I want to take you to a couple texts that will talk about them. The first one is John chapter 5, verses 28 and 29. John 5, 28, 29. The Bible says... Do not marvel at this, for the, hour, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. And so when Jesus comes, there will be a resurrection. There will be a resurrection. And that's one of the hopes we have as Christians, that when Jesus comes... Even those who died in the Lord will come back to life. There is something else that happens when Jesus comes. And this is found in 1 Corinthians 15, 50-58, 1 Thessalonians 4, 14-17. But going back to John 5, verses 28 and 29, particularly verse 29, the Bible says, They will come forth, those who have done good to the resurrection of... The resurrection of what? life and so those who come back to life when jesus comes will come back to life eternal they will come back to life to never again die and so there will be a resurrection but also the gift of immortality will be bestowed upon those who have have part in the first resurrection and upon those who are alive waiting for jesus to come And so this gives us a double meaning as we participate in the communion service. It is not only looking back, but also looking forward. Do this in remembrance of me, did Jesus say. This do in remembrance of me. And so the Lord knew that our memory is short, right? Uh, The older I get, my memory is getting shorter. And I'm probably the only one who suffers from that. But the truth is that the Lord knew that our memories uh, would get short. And even when we are younger, in our prime days, we may still forget about things. Uh, There is a story, you may have heard the story of a farmer. uh, I would call the forgetful farmer. And he was there living in a farm and he had a, a friend who was coming from the city. An urban type was not used to the farm. And he came and the farmer is showing him his property and there is also this dog. This dog was really smart. And the dog, com- dog comes and opens the gate. And the visitor comes in. And uh, the, the visitor is really, really impressed with the dog. And he says, oh, what a dog. Hey, uh, she's really smart. What's her name? And the farmer says, uh, what's the name of that flower? It's a red flower that smells really good and has a stem with, with thorns. Uh, and, and, and the visitor said, it's a rose. And the farmer said, yes, thank you. 
And so he turns to the wife and says, Rose, what's the name of the dog, please? <laughs> That's not nice, is it? <laughs> not really. But we forget things. And the Lord knew that. Well, a researcher from Johns Hopkins University, and this was some 20 years ago. She, I believe she's still a professor at uh, Johns Hopkins. She made a, uh, a research that brought these results. Things that most often people forget. Things that most often people forget. Names, 83%. Uh, where something is, 60%. Telephone numbers, 57%. I, I, I would think that today people would not remember telephone numbers at all. Because they know they're, they're saved, they're stored in their, in their phones, so they don't even care memorizing numbers today, most people. Uh, words, 52%. Uh, what was said, 49%. Faces, 42%. And if you cannot remember whether you've just done something or not, you join 38% of the population. That's how much we forget. And the Lord knew that. So that's why he said, this do in remembrance of me. Now, I wanted to say this as, we, as, we, as I'm coming to a close here. Who should and who should not take part in the Lord's Supper? And how are we supposed to take part in the Lord's Supper? I'm saying this because... I think it was the last time we had communion here. Uh, someone, a member from this church, came up to me. Uh, this was in the afternoon later on and said, I don't know if you have noticed that when we have communion, some people do not show up. Uh, this person was not pinpointing anyone in particular. But she was talking about the numbers, the attendance on that particular Sabbath. So I don't know. Some people don't come. Now, I don't know if it was just a coincidence. And I think it may have been. I really think it may have been that some people were not here on that Sabbath. But I also, uh, I, I am concerned that maybe some people think that on communion day, maybe they should not come because they don't feel uh, appropriately prepared or they don't feel worthy to take part in communion. So let me talk about who should take part in the Lord's Supper and, and how should we do that. There are some erroneous ideas. There are some wrong ideas that first communion is like a closed ceremony. It's closed, it's closed communion. Only those who are uh, members of the church or only those who are of my Christian pers persuasion or only those who are of my group should be taking part in communion. Others, others may say, on the other hand, well, I feel that I am ready and I take part in it. But when I feel I'm not ready then I will not. Now, there are a few thoughts that should change our mind about that. First, all who believe that Jesus died for their sins, for their sins, all who believe that Jesus died for their sins should take part in communion. If you believe Jesus died for your sins, and not only for the sins of your neighbor, not only for the sins of some privileged ones, if Jesus died for your sins, then you should take part in communion. When God instituted the Passover back then, no one, no Jew, no Israelite was exempted from eating the Passover meal. 
They were all supposed to take part. Whether this is not like the Day of Atonement. It was different. Everyone was supposed to participate. Christ died for all. That's the truth that we find in the Bible. And for that very reason, there is no right to forbid anyone who wants to take part in the Lord's Supper. All who claim that their sins are under the blood of Christ, they are to partake in the emblems of the Lord's body as we participate in the Lord's communion. And how should we come to the table? How should we come to the table of the Lord? Do you think that the church officers, do you think that the pastor, the elders, should go around examining if people are prepared to participate in the communion? Is this what the Bible teaches? No. no. What does the Bible teach? 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight. And anyone finding it can read it, please. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight. Can someone read it? Oh, so it's not the pastor that should go around examining people. Are you ready? Are you prepared? Have you done this? Have you done that? It is each one will examine themselves. Let every person examine themselves to see if they are right. Now, what does it mean? What is this self-examination? It means that I must look into my own heart and into my own life to see how seriously... I enter into the communion service and fellowship of the suffering Jesus Christ. It means that I get right with God and man before I enter this solemn rite. And this we must do to be worthy of its implication. And so this is something that I must do myself. And then the Bible says, let a man examine himself and let him meet let him eat of it. The Bible doesn't say, let him stay away from the Lord's Supper. No, let him eat. And unfortunately, many people prevent themselves from partaking in the Lord's Supper for whatever reason it might be. But if you believe, I repeat, that Jesus died for your sins, then you should be participating. Now imagine, and I want you to imagine this. We are here. And I'm preaching this message here, and very soon I'm going to close, and we'll go down for the downstairs for the foot washing, and then we'll come back for the emblems of the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. Imagine that you came here today. Maybe you didn't, you didn't know there was communion. Or maybe you knew, but you are not so sure whether or not you should participate. And you were considering maybe not taking part. This would be like, you know, reading a book. And you're reading the book and you are getting aware of all the, the plot and all the movements of the characters. And you're coming to the end of the book and you, you just have the last chapter to read. But then you realize when you start reading the last chapter of the book that some pages are missing. Some people just, someone just ripped the pages out of the book. And you realize you, you, you can't ever know how the story ends. It is like that. You come, to, you come here and do not take part in the, in the table of the Lord. Then you are missing out on the best of it. The best here today is not the sermon. 
even though we need the message. But the best here today is what is coming afterwards. Imagine you were looking, you were watching a movie. And before the movie ends, you have to leave. And you don't really know how it's going to end. Imagine you go to a wedding. And you are there in the wedding ceremony. And you, you watch everything take place. And then when the, when the meal is going to be served after the ceremony. Or when the cake is going to be uh, given out. You have to leave. And you miss out on the meal. You miss out on the cake. But even worse. Maybe you go to a wedding. And you are there and just as the ceremony is coming to the end, just before they, ha- they are going to exchange their vows, for some reason you have to leave. And so you go home. You didn't see them exchanging the vows. You didn't see them being uh, declared husband and wife. And you go home. You have no idea whether or not both said yes to begin with. You don't know how it ends. You must be there. You should be there to be able to experience and to see it for yourself. And so as I said, the best today is not the sermon. The best today is not the music as as good as you may think it has been. The best today is the experience that you are going to go through yourself. The best today is the blessing that the Lord has for you as you partake of these emblems. And that is something that your pastor cannot do for you. That is something that your parent cannot do for you. This is something that your best friend in church cannot do for you. Each one has to go through this experience for themselves. And so I'd like to ask you, have you found peace in Jesus? If you have, then you are invited to participate in today's Lord's Supper. Have you found deliverance in Jesus? Have you regained your your sense of self-worth, your sense of dignity in Jesus Christ? Have you found freedom in Jesus? Have you broken free from your past sins, from your addictions? Have you found confidence in Jesus instead of fear? Have you found comfort in Jesus? Have you found meaning for your life in Him? Have you found the forgiveness that He freely offers to you? Have you found new life in Jesus? Have you found hope in Him? And so, if that's true, you are today invited to participate in the Lord's Supper and to commemorate Jesus' sacrifice and to celebrate the newness of life that only He could give you and that He has indeed given you today. But if, you, if not, if you feel like you have not reached there yet, if you feel like one of those things are still missing, then that's no reason for you not to participate. Because today can be the day. This can be the day. And this will be the day if you fully trust in Jesus. <clears throat> I would say to you today, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus no matter who you are, no matter how you are. Whether you believe you have overcome it all, whether you believe you're living a newness of life, or whether you think you're still behind, you're still lacking something, come to Jesus today. And for hundreds, hundreds of generations, this call has gone out. For hundreds of years, this call has gone out for people to come to Jesus 
And today we still make that call because it still holds true that Jesus is the only answer for our lives. It still holds true that Jesus only can change us. Come to Jesus today. The Bible says, repent, confess, and you will be forgiven. Believe and you will be saved, you and your household. Trust Him and He will give you freedom. Open up your heart to Him and He will change your perspective in life. The young people here today, the children, I'll say to them as well, come to Jesus and He will make you greater. He will make you much greater than you could ever imagine. So come to Jesus today. I could make an appeal for you to come up to the front now. I'm very tempted to do that. But I will resist the temptation for one reason. Because I want you to respond to this call, not coming out to the front, but by participating in the Lord's Supper today. If there is anything, you know, I said this before maybe, and I say it again. The thief on the cross, he had lived a life of crime. He was there in his last moments. And there is the last chance he had, the last opportunity. And Jesus turns to him, and he turns to Jesus and starts this conversation. And Jesus looks at him. And Jesus says, well, I want you to go down the cross and I want you to live 10 more years now doing good for the poor and doing everything I command you to do before you can receive eternal life. Was that what Jesus said? No, in that short time frame that the thieves still have, in that short period of life that was still available, Jesus said, today, my friend, I guarantee you, I assure you, you will be with me in paradise. And so if there is anything that's still keeping you behind, this is still time. Between now and the moment we come back to participate in the Lord's Supper, it's still time for you to surrender it all to Jesus. And He will take care of that. And this is my prayer, that you will respond to this call by giving it all to Jesus. And by partaking in this Lord's Supper for your own benefit and for the glory of God's name.